Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. Coming up on the Money Beat podcast, it is Jobs Friday. The U.S. economy created only 160,000 jobs in April. How? What does that mean? How bad is that? What does it mean for the Fed, the economy, the markets? We will break it down with Honey Retta from Pine Bridge Investments. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Welcome to the Money Beat Podcast, Paul and G Money here in the studio with you. You like that? I'm, 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 I'm now you're, I'm embarrassed. That's your new nickname. Yeah, man. no, G, that's not going to stick. You are money. You are so money. <laughs> yeah, you're G Money. We can move on. We can move on. All right. Uh, look, why are we here in the studio right now, talking to you, speaking with you? Because it is Jobs Friday. The non-farm monthly's U.S. payrolls report came out 8:30 a.m. Friday morning. What did it show? Well, it showed that not as many jobs were created in April as people thought. The market was expecting about 200, 205,000 jobs were would be created. The reality is 160,000 jobs were created. The unemployment rate was steady at 5%. They thought it would come down a little bit to 4.0%. So, no, 4.9. 4.9. 4.0 would be a huge yeah. Thank you very much, G-Money. <laughs> That's why you're G-Money. Thank you. That's yeah, yeah. why. So to break this all down, we are lucky to have with us today Hani Retta, who is Senior Vice President and Portfolio Manager at Pine Bridge Investments and who is coming to us via London, via, I, I believe, the underground cables. Does the underground cables still even run? Is that even a thing anymore? It's all digital now, right? I'm assuming so. Yeah, I'm assuming it's all digital. Uh, Hani, how are you? Welcome. Good morning. Good to be here. Great. So let me just, you know, look, let me just throw it wide open to you. You saw there, I know it wasn't 830 your time. It was a little later, so you had a little time to have your your coffee and your breakfast and be a little more awake than the rest of us. But when you looked at the numbers, what did you make of them? Sure. So I'm seeing a lot of uh, commentary labeling this as a a bad report or a disappointing one. To me, this is decidedly a mixed report. Mm -hmm. And uh, the reason I say that is that it's important to pay attention to to the details. So while payroll, as you said, was slightly weaker than expected uh, and the participation rate was lower, but hourly wages grew. And importantly, hours worked also increased. Um, and when you put those together, uh, you see that uh, total labor income, which is uh, payrolls times wages and multiplied by hours worked, um, actually grew at a healthy rate today, which is which is overall positive for, for consumption going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to me, it, it, it confirms that, you know, the economic recovery continues and it does so at a at a moderate pace, nothing to write home about, but uh, nothing alarming either. How do you think this, you know, impacts what the Fed is going to be doing going forward? Does this change the sort of trajectory it's on in any way, or is this sort of more of the same? Well, I think on balance, uh, you know, the market has been uh, considering the probability of uh, the Fed moving in june to be quite low i think that is now completely off the table so i think it does push out the rate expectations a little little. um so perhaps you know july but more likely something in september could be on the cards Mm -hmm. um but you know this 
it, it's, it's only a minor um, uh, data point that comes in amongst everything else. I do caution not reading too much into any single employment report. Uh, I mean, if you remember in August and September last year, we had some pretty weak numbers followed by uh, some pretty strong numbers coming after that. And these figures do get re revised. So um, I think on balance, it does lead the Fed to slightly uh, reduce its chances of, um, of increasing uh, rates more quickly. But the direction is still clear. Uh, this report just to me shows that we're just getting closer and closer to full employment. Um, and so, you know, the, the natural progression of expecting wages to pick up from here and for the Fed to move it in the direction of raising is is unchallenged. Yeah, it's interesting, too, this June Fed meeting, when we talk about it, not only does the Fed have to worry about what the U.S. economy is doing, but, but something I, I think, honey, you would probably have a, uh, some insight on is this whole Brexit vote that is going to, I believe the timing is the Fed meeting is about a week out ahead of this vote that's going to happen in the UK about whether or not to stay in the, the EU. Um, what do you, you know, I know we're getting a little, we're not really getting off topic because what we're really talking about is the Fed and, and this Brexit referendum matters for what the Fed does. Can you, can you just talk to us a little bit about that for a second? I mean, what's the, what's the mood over there? Sure. So, I mean, there is a lot of uncertainty about this referendum. The numbers uh, seem to show in terms of polls. Uh, it is it is a close, uh, you know, it's a close call. And, and that wow. means that it creates uncertainty. Uh, it's, it is a significant risk for the global economy. I think there would be, uh, well, sorry, I'll take that back. Not for the economy, but for global markets. I think markets would decidedly react very negatively should mm -hmm. there be a Brexit vote. And that is not our base case expectation, but the probability of it happening is not negligible. Right. And so we think the, this is something that would, uh, all else equal, would inf influence what the Fed would do. But I think today's report even makes makes that moot in a way mm -hmm. because you know the the, the that data itself is not supporting a case of them moving sooner uh, rather than later so i think it's um it's not going to um influence things uh, to the extent that it would have right we had a really strong number today sure sure that's a good point well i was going to give just generally um talk about the markets i mean what we've seen and, you know, in the last couple of weeks is the U.S. markets have essentially stalled, um, actually pulled back a little bit from the rally from the lows of mid-February. Where, where, where do you see the market sort of going over the, the, the sort of short term into the long, you know, next couple of months to the rest of the year? Sure. So I should start by saying that, you know, our approach is really not to focus too much on the short term. We okay. believe that you can really do a lot better by focusing on how the fundamentals will evolve over an intermediate term. Something in the range of 9 to 18 months is really how to, how to see where the market will end up going. In the short term, it's just very noisy, there's very little signals, and, and um, we don't advise you know, short-term market timing in that mm -hmm. sense. That's a logical approach. That, <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, now, having said that, um, I think that 
what the market has has gone through this year, and it's been a pretty interesting ride, is that uh, early in the year the, the market was essentially um, extrapolating, you know, weakness going forward. We were expecting another leg down in global growth and perhaps even heading into full-blown global recession. And what's happened since February 11th, uh, which was the bottom of the market for this year, is that a bit of relief that the data actually has been coming in uh, has been relatively uh, good. It's by far not as bad as the market itself was expecting. Uh, We ourselves at Pine Ridge have been saying that we don't expect um, another leg down in growth, and we continue to feel that um, the market is uh, not recognizing the where the weakness came from uh-huh. and why that's changing. And a lot of that has to do with China um, and the fact that they have rebooted uh, the growth engines, so to speak, uh, and that's going to plug a, a little, you know, some of the weakness. Uh, in, in the fundamental data that we expect to see still play out over the next few months. Okay. All right. Uh, look, let's take a break there. We want to uh, give our sponsors a little time, give, give them a little air time as well. We will be back on the other side. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. Robert Half is here to help. Our recruiting professionals utilize our proprietary AI to connect businesses with highly skilled talent. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Out of this message. Hi, this is Jason Gay, sports writer at the Wall Street Journal, and I have a podcast called Free For All. And guess what? It's not just sports. We'll also talk about some real estate, some music, some culture, some fashion. I could talk about fashion. It's the Free For All. Become a subscriber on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at WSJ Podcasts. And check us out at WSJ.com slash podcasts. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Money Beat Podcast. Look, folks, if you're looking for more great podcasts, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at WSJ Podcasts. And why don't you become a subscriber? We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. And now also look for us on the Google Play Music app on Android devices. We are in the studio, myself, Paul Vina, G Money, Steve... I'm pushing it, G Money. It's gonna happen. It's gonna work. Dude, that's I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm completely that's, opposed to this. Dude, that's a great nickname. Yeah, yeah. G Money. Uh, and if we are I was speaking with fourteen. <laughs> uh, we are speaking with Hani Retta from Pine Bridge Investments. We're breaking down today's jobs reports. Report, uh, Hani. You mentioned uh, um, in briefly in the last segment. You talked about the economy approaching full employment. And I don't necessarily disagree with you. I mean, you look at the unemployment rate under 5%, you know, or at 5% under 5%. You know, it's a very low number, historically speaking. I just think, though, I mean, when I look at the economy and I think full employment, I don't think 2.5% wage growth and uh, a participation rate that is at, you know, multi-decade lows. To me, this is a very strange economy right now. It is not growing the way you would think an economy that is, quote-unquote, full employment should be growing. Or am I wrong about that? No, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't disagree. There is still some slack in the economy. If you look at the, at the broader measure of, of unemployment, the U6 mm-hmm. uh, unemployment rate, 
uh, that should, would, would confirm what you're saying, which is that there is still broader uh, slack in the economy that's coming out. Um, uh, and, sorry, that is still there, but it's right, also right. very clearly coming out. So I think that, that that's one thing we have to recognize is the starting point for uh, for, for the economy was, was you know tremendous strain coming out of the, uh, the the financial crisis, and since there, just very steady progress has been made. And you know, as we get closer to uh, outright outright uh, full employment, um, we should exact, actually expect um, uh, the job growth to slow down and for wages to start rising. Mm-hmm. And that was confirmed today. Okay, I mean, I know the the payroll number, the headline number, was you know uh, less than what people were expecting. But you know, the Fed itself is telling us that trend uh, employment growth is around eighty thousand, uh, and and so we're clearly still growing significantly above that trend rate. Um, but I think it's important for people to, to remember that as we go forward in the next few months, the headline number we should expect should be coming down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that you know, people are going to start to realize because you know, the pace that we're, we've been going at is not going to be uh, what is needed in order to uh, continue to confirm that the expansion is, is proceeding. I'm going to sort of channel my best Paul here because having done a number of these podcasts with him, I know he always harps on this. Wages were better. You know, wage growth was better, this mm-hmm. this report. This but report this is last. still historically not – I mean, it's still historically not a strong number. When are we and why haven't we yet seen sort of a, a, a nice uptick in wage growth that would sort of – Sustained. Or sustained, I should sustained. say, too. I mean, hit three yeah. percent and hold it. Mm. Well, that that is a difficult question, to be honest. Um, but I think it's it's partly to do with um, the lack of um, investment that has been also uh, a, yeah. a very important characteristic of this uh, yeah. recovery phase, um, and and that you know stifles the potential for for wage growth to come through as well. But, um, you know, as we get closer to a situation where slack is really eliminated, you know, I I don't think there's anything that has really changed in terms of, you know, human nature of of expecting to see uh, demand for higher income and, uh, a you know, a a natural pressure that, that firms will feel. Uh, to to uh, raise wages now to me that you know the the optimistic story would be that that would actually trigger the capital expenditure and investment that the economy badly mm-hmm. needs is actually to see that wage growth come through but I agree with you it is a bit of an anomaly um, that we are all still grappling with right yeah and yeah you're right it is a hard question and, and nobody else seems to have certainly nobody who is uh, in a position of real authority seems to have a good answer for it. You know, and again, it gets back to, you know, I think we're talking, no pun intended, we're talking in circles a little bit around this whole idea of you want that sort of virtuous circle, right, where business investment leads to hiring, which leads to wages, which leads to spending, which leads to profits, which leads to more investment. I mean, we, we just we haven't been able to get that whole cycle going throughout this recovery. And I think we're still not quite there. 
Uh, agreed, and I think that um, part of this is is just a it's a psychological thing. It's a it's a behavioral mm-hmm. phenomenon, and it's based on confidence. Um, and that when you look beyond the U.S. economy, it doesn't really engender a lot of confidence, and that influences how uh, people take their decisions regarding uh, investment right. of, of capital. And so as Things stabilize, and we still feel that there is going to be fundamental improvement at a moderate pace, uh, but but definitely improvement going forward. Um, I think that creates a base for confidence to build, and then it becomes nonlinear. I think we have to be watchful for that. It's very easy to just extrapolate what's going on today, but um, I think it, there is a potential that you get nonlinear response as confidence builds. But uh, it's a bit of chicken and egg to get yeah. it going. <laughs> hey, hey, Ronnie, I know here, uh, in, especially in New York City, you know, this number comes out at 8.30 Friday morning. We're all focused on it. We do a live blog. You know, this is a big number here in the U.S., clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, how is it seen overseas, though? What is the importance on, on the jobs market, the U.S. jobs market, when you're looking at it from across the pond? I'll, I'll be honest with you. It is incredibly important. Hmm. Um, the, the U.S. remains uh, at the center of the foundation of the global recovery. And it's really because the Fed was first to actually respond aggressively in dealing with the financial crisis and help, helping to, to navigate through it. And as a result, the U.S. is showing the most robust growth in the world. In a world of very low growth, the U.S.'s growth engine becomes even more important. You know, if you have growth kicking in elsewhere, then maybe, you know, you can afford to have swings in the U.S. economy and, and uh, the U.S. labor market becomes less important. Today, you know, we're all, we're all uh, rooting for the, <laughs> for the U.S. <laughs> to continue to, to, to grow and, and to support uh, confidence building and growth elsewhere. So it, I'm telling you, this is something that continues to be uh, focused on, not just across the pond here in London, but it's, it's a global focal yeah. point. All right. Hani Retta, Senior Vice President at Pinebridge Investments. Hani, thanks a lot for coming on today. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. And everyone, we want to tell you we appreciate your time listening. And look for us later, the Friday food fight. It will be coming, so you don't want to miss that one. We'll catch up with you in a little bit. This episode is brought to you by Charles Schwab. Decisions made in Washington can affect your portfolio every day. But what policy changes should investors be watching? Washington Wise is an original podcast for investors from Charles Schwab that unpacks the stories making news in Washington and how they may affect your finances and portfolio. Listen at schwab.com slash Washington Wise.